It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down An American loser the day I was born Hey folks, live in studio, no StreamYard here this week. It's your boy KP Burke, all right? The show's called American Loser. My Delph of a Dad is not here because he is making the big money by volunteering for the Boy Scouts, because that's that's what he wanted to do when he retired. But where else could we be? We're live in Edentown, New Jersey, to share you to his podcast studio. Woo! My guest is a returning guest to the show here, uh, the multi-talented, the very handsome, uh, ruggedly handsome, one might say. Thank you. Big Rich from Jersey. How you feeling, buddy? Hey, I feel good, and I'm um, happy to be back here with you and the universe. I think you, uh, him and Mark Riccadonna, I think, are the, the two people that have been on the show the, the most. The most? Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so how many times has Mark been? Because I was wondering if I was going to be your, your ultimate host. This might be the one host. that sets you apart, I think, dude. This is my fourth time. I, yeah, then four time. That you're above it. Mark. Four time. Mark was here three times. Four time. Uh-huh. <laughs> A little Booker T reference for <laughs> you there. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I'm just going to say thank you for all the dozens and hundreds of listeners it's what we appreciate do. it it's uh no it, it also it did hurt my soul a little bit because uh of course we have to introduce the man behind the ones and twos our sound engineer the handsome big kahuna how you feeling buddy i'm good man i'm much better i'm much better uh-oh why are you much better oh no just because like last time we spoke it was i i want to publicly apologize to the patreon <laughs> listeners for getting your last episode late it wasn't uh, late it worked it, out it, it did work out but i i gave, gave me the file at four in the morning <laughs> Uh, dog got hurt, but dog's okay. And Damn, I was dude. also hung over that day, so it was just like, ah, why is this happening? <laughs> so I've been there, buddy. It's a much better day. No, I got a, I got a nice little streak going of not drinking right now. And I, I will say this: it's almost like a cheat code for your life. Everything just falls in place. I show up on time places. I, I'm not. Ugh. Yeah, it's very weird. I don't know what to do with it. It's, it's weird waking up and knowing that's the best you'll feel all day. Yeah, and you're like this. I'm gonna, but my my laundry's done on time and stuff, Rich. I it's. It's very peculiar. You yourself actually were uh, sitting out back reading a, a certain kind of magazine early. Now, when I first met you, that magazine <laughs> would have been Playboy or Penthouse. What, yeah. What, what's getting your rocks off these days, buddy? Um, so I like to sit in my wicker furniture, and I've collected a bunch of back issues of Family Handyman. And uh, I will spend hours flipping through, coming up with projects. Um, I put little bookmarks on the projects I want to do. I am very, uh, I'm the youngest 82-year-old you'll ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I was pretty much ready to take you out in the rowboat at the end of Godfather 2 at the end of that <laughs> sentence. I'm excited uh, though, man. Uh, the show is called American Loser, and I want to say thank you real quickly to the good people over at our Patreon on the Founding Losers. You guys are the reason why this episode is free. New strategy moving forward. Cahoons, it's that big announcement I wanted to make. Dun, da, da, da. Da, da, da. I'm very excited here. After getting the approval from uh, my board of directors, also known as my dad, um, <laughs> Larry, we have decided what we're going to do moving forward because I don't have the time to be able to put uh, five really quality episodes together that I want to do. So in order to keep the quality of the show, what we're going to do is if you're a regular listener, then you still get three free episodes a month. Every Tuesday, we're going to have something up here for you. 
And that's the way I can guarantee that we're not going to have a dip off in the quality where I'm just like, well, fuck it. They got enough shit for free. <laughs> Tuesday, lose day, people. It will always remain the same. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. become that guy that uh, starts uh, uh, phoning it in or whatever on people. So what we're going to do is you will every Tuesday, if you're a regular, just a, a listener enjoying our free content, please continue to do so. You guys will get a free episode every Tuesday. And then if you want to make the jump and support us over on our Patreon so I can continue to buy the Kahuna's Love one week at a time. I'm just going to ask you guys jump over. We're going to set up a new tier for that. It's going to be $3 a month over on Patreon. If you do make the jump to $5 or more, we do send merch out to say thank you for the extra distance that you guys are willing to go. But I feel like that's pretty fair. Essentially, what it breaks down to, Rich, is I'm just asking them for a dollar a show. That's all it winds up being. So you will get a fourth episode for free. Uh, so the Patreon will be the fourth week, the end of every month. We're going to put out that one on the Tuesday. So well, that's what I'm doing moving forward. I'm trying to be smart here. So less than the cost of a cup of coffee. This fucking guy. He These people <laughs> could be losing every week. I bought a cup of coffee in Long Island at a gig not too long ago. And I was like, uh, oh, shit, there's like two Patreon subscriptions. <laughs> <laughs> I could listen to myself twice this week. <laughs> um that sounds awesome, KP, and I'm glad that you guys are exploding and the viewership and listenership is going through the roof. So We do have a up. ton of uh, the YouTube actions going, too, as well, if you guys want to catch up on some of the past episodes. A couple of our old Patreon ones, too. If you're willing to wait it out, I will put up some old, old Patreons as they become about a year old or so. Uh, we're going to put out some of the formerly Patreon exclusives over on our YouTube. I got a couple of sketches, stuff like that, we're working on, too. There's some stand-up mm -hmm. over there. Big Rich, right up front, do you want to plug any upcoming dates? This one's going to come out this Tuesday. So it'll be the uh, the first episode of uh, March, if you will. So anything you want to plug May. coming up? My, oh, damn, it is. You threw me for a loop. I was Listen, like, wait. It's oh, 1998 still, happened. right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank my you. birthday happened. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> oh, what I'm is my name up, and why am I here? Yes, May 2021. Uh, what upcoming dates for uh, the McDonald and Carney duo? For a second, I thought I was doing a podcast with Biden. This got uncomfortable. Listen, <laughs> um, so McDonald and Carney will be at uh, Crossroads in Garwood, New Jersey on Thursday, May 12th, if that's a Thursday. Perfect. I'm going to go with it. Go with it? Um, yeah, it's actually our first big show back after the pandemic. Uh, we have Sweet Jackie Byrne hosting, and uh, it's kind of our home field. So we're excited to blow that so place out. So you, Joe, and Jackie Byrne all have been guests on this show. Proud to say that. Who's your favorite? Huh? Oh, it's you. Kahuna. Okay. That's it. <laughs> but uh, you're actually a perfect guy to talk to about this week's topic because, unfortunately, it's going to take place. Um, there's a, an institute of uh, higher learning that my father's quite fond of, um, mm -hmm. now known as the College of New Jersey, formerly known as Trenton State. Yeah, so that's Trent State College, not penitentiary. Although this guy winds up in one of the others. <laughs> I almost ended up in both. Um, but yeah, I went to Trenton State College back uh, before it got taken over. That's uh, now here's the ultimate question here, and I, I will I'll throw this to the Kahuna first because I know your answer, Kahuna. If you're getting a breakfast sandwich in New Jersey, what are you ordering at the front counter? Is a certain kind of meat that you're going to put on the sandwich that's maybe pork in, roll, egg and cheese? See, oh, he called it the pork God. roll, right? Called a pork roll. What do you call South it? Jersey people? Now Larry Burke calls it pork roll too. Yeah, but he should know better. Um, <laughs> The rest of the world calls it Taylor Ham. Which it is not, but okay. See, oh, Trenton God. makes, the world takes. That's yes. the bottom line here, guys. That's <laughs> uh, that would be, if you're hungover, Taylor Ham, egg and cheese. That, that's doctor's orders. Uh, Correct. But otherwise, you know, Taylor Ham, if you're getting pancakes with a side of Taylor Ham, Taylor Ham can go on pretty much anything. If I was to, it, 
you could pretty much glaze it in chocolate. I'd still find a way to eat it. Hell yeah. In fact, I think that's what we're going to do after this. That uh, If you join our $10 a month Patreon, <laughs> I will cover pork roll and chocolate and send it to you directly. Mm-hmm. But With a kiss from Big Kahuna. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got a, a bizarre topic today. We like to try to tie in. Um, sometimes we cover a little bit of true crime stuff. Every now and then we start hitting home too much on one particular topic. We were hitting uh, post-American Revolution America, which is a fascinating time period. But in order to break that up a little bit, we're doing a quick true crime episode here for you guys. All right. And uh, this one, we don't have to go far to tie this one into New Jersey, buddy. Yeah, I, I got excited when you said you're going to bring me on the show because, you know, Larry couldn't make it. I was like, all right, I get to do the, how do you tie this in the Jersey bit? <laughs> and then, boom, this guy just, oh, wow, it's, he's from Jersey. Everything he does is in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Oh, he even bought papers to Russell. It's a, oh, also true. <laughs> That's another thing. As we said earlier, Kahuna pointed it out. For $8 a month, my father will clear his throat into the microphone. <laughs> That's, That's how we're solving that one, man. Um now, again, it, it is – I can't wait to hear where you're going to wind up landing this plane because it's on surface. Very depressing episode here No, today. no. It's awesome. We're going to find some things to laugh about here with it because the guy is peculiar. Very, very peculiar. Yes. I'm loving these two polar opposites of like, oh, this episode's going to be depressing as shit. No, no. It's going to be hilarious. good stuff, people. <laughs> typically, my relationship with Rich in terms of comedy is that it'll be like, oh, I, I, he wouldn't want to touch that topic because it's a little bit too dark or something. And I'll be like, no, that's you're supposed to mess around with it. And now on this one, I'm scared of what he's about to do. There's Hello, a- darkness, <laughs> my old friend. So... Uh, the incident that we're going to talk about, uh, it's, well, it's infamous. It's very much infamous. It's ingrained in New Jersey's history. Uh, do you know anything about the, have you ever heard of the Walk of Death, Kahuna? No, actually. The walk. It's upsetting. Now, I've done the Walk of Shame. <laughs> I've done the Walk of Regret. Uh, never the Walk, the walk of, of Death is a new one. I mean, you walk a mile in this man's shoes. Um, it's going to be a thing here. Yeah. It's Today's topic is, unfortunately, Howard Unruh. And his walk of death. Now, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Is it Unra? Or, or to me, I almost want to say like, <laughs> yeah, doing a Scooby-Doo action on it. Well, zoinks, man. It's like the walk of death, man. <laughs> this whole time it was old man Withers. That's a- <laughs> All right. I'll split up with Daphne and we'll go look for clues. Shaggy, you get Velma. We're That's good. A- <laughs> hey, uh, I was a Velma fan, so we'll just put that out there. No, oh, have you met my sister? Uh, that's never been proven about Velma and, you know, Patty from Snoopy. That's <laughs> Hello, sir. Hey, man, they're in a league of their own. You know what I'm saying? Um, you said your sister's name once. If you say it two more times, she'll show up like Beetlejuice. Uh, uh, yeah, don't say my sister's name into a mirror, folks. All right. That's a safety warning for you guys. at home. <laughs> I'm glad we're getting some laughs in here. I'm going to set the the table now because again it is going to get a little bit depressing you guys it's a true crime episode and unfortunately the incident we're going to talk about takes place on september 6th 1949 camden new jersey the city by the bay 28 year old decorated world war ii veteran howard unruh eats a breakfast made by his mother at their home in camden new jersey what was in the breakfast i imagine pork roll would have to be included i sure hope so and what a terrible ringing endorsement for Wheaties this was. Wheaties, like, please don't don't say that he had his Wheaties before he did this. Uh, around 9.20 a.m., after his mother had left to visit a friend, Howard will grab his Luger P08 pistol, fill his pockets with the ammunition, and begin what will go down in the history books known as the Walk of Death. So, 
how does a World War II veteran and former Temple University student go from his mother's basement to perpetrating a thing known as the Walk of Death? Now, Rich, you've got a, a little bit of a psychology background here. What, uh, what's going to kind of screw up a kid like this out of nowhere? Because he makes a sudden left turn. He does, but in his defense, sometimes you just have to set your own path. And, you know, when, when you don't have a job and things are tough and, you know, mom's not making meatloaf for you, you really have to pick an area or a career where no one else has su- succeeded yet and be like, you know what? I can be that guy. He really is, when you start reading about him, a little bit of it is uh, that he's one of the first incels. Is that fair to say? We didn't have that term to call it back then. No, definitely not. Yeah, because that's what we would have used that term all the time to talk about kids that I went to school with. Oh, friggin' incel over there, blah, blah, blah. That's a great word to try to, you know, because that was the whole thing. If you used the, um, the, the gay slurs, it was to say that you don't get girls, right? But those guys don't care about getting girls. So it's really not a good, that's why you get rid of it from your vocabulary. Yeah, it doesn't help. Exactly. There's so, better words out there to really humiliate them. Incel is a good one, though. I'm going to say that much. Um, um, so he's not successful with the ladies. That's what you're telling me. No. In, in fact, I wouldn't even say that he's not successful with the ladies because that would indicate an attempt. And there, there's some very curious things about this guy. I'll say this one because I, I don't want to give away because I'm curious what your casting couch would be if they it, were ever to make a movie about this guy. <sighs> but there's definitely going to be a little bit of a Joaquin Phoenix Joker vibe to him a little bit here. All right. Okay. There's a little bit of uh, Michael Douglas falling down to him. There's a little bit of Robert De Niro and Taxi Driver going on, too. It's definitely some stuff. Okay. But, um, well, the show's called American Loser, so we know it's not going to end pretty for this guy. No, um, no, no, no. no. He certainly is all-encompassing for loser fodder. Uh, Unruh will be born on January 21st, 1921. His own mother didn't show up to his birth. That's how bad the relationship is. (laughs) Born in Camden, New Jersey. Now, you're Jersey City, right, Cahoons? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's uh, there's definitely – Camden's an interesting town. I'll say that much. Any weird experiences with that place off the top of your head, Rich? No, I really like to drive through very quickly um, with the windows up. And red lights just means slow down, look for police, and gun it. Ooh, I like that one. That's uh, Now, this is a true story that uh, my cousin Brian was once going through. He told me the story, and I laughed for about a week and a half from it, that uh, he went to see Jimmy Buffett down at Camden. Yep. Right? They were playing like near the aquarium or something like that, I guess. Yeah, they actually have like a, a – it's almost like PNC Art Center, but a little smaller. There's uh-huh. an outdoor arena. Well, this guy must have been following Jimmy Buffett around, and uh, you know maybe he wasn't quite familiar with New Jersey. And I guess mm-hmm. he decided he goes, he goes, hey, I can park for free a couple of blocks away and just walk into the Jimmy Buffett concert. <sighs> and so my cousin Brian just remembers looking out the window at Camden, New Jersey, which can be a depressing place at times. And he's looking out there, and what has at one time or another been the murder capital of uh, the country, I believe. Yeah, they uh, they lost their number one seat, which is sad. It is. Uh, but for a while, they were rocking it, man. They Didn't were, they lose they it were even Newark? better than Detroit. There was one year that uh, it was getting real close down to the wire, but luckily someone came through. Yeah. Yep. Shot we're up a car full. Of, what a Toyota Camry full. Of. <laughs> <laughs> it can be depressing. Now, New Jersey is a weird place if you guys have never been here before because New Jersey will also have some of the safest towns in the entire country within 15 minutes of some of the most dangerous places on earth. We like to do that. It's we like a, to put very expensive towns um, just like 100 yards away from complete crap holes. An example, Eatontown, New Jersey versus the Asbury Park studio. Mike and Ming have some money. They can afford Eatontown year-round. We get Asbury Park maybe, what, like two, three months out of the year? It's, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, a pandemic happened. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Well, uh 
Interestingly enough, uh, Camden, New Jersey will be the birthplace of this Howard Unruh fellow we're going to be talking about here today. And uh, Camden, mind you, famous for other residents who either lived there or were born there. Walt Whitman, right? Great Bridge. Pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one has to what sit else did for a he second. Do? What else did he do? That's <laughs> had a hell of a beard. The original <laughs> hipster, if you ask me. But uh, Jersey Joe Walcott. I think at uh, the time he was the oldest heavyweight champion in the world, the pride of New Jersey, Jersey yeah, Joe Walcott. Pride of Jersey. Um, and then get this one, uh, Sean T from P90X and Insanity, Camden, really? New Jersey. Yeah. Would not have guessed it. Me neither. But uh, he's a fascinating yeah, he guy. He seemed like a, a, a young man of needs, like he came from a rich family. Oh, yeah, where he had a job. But apparently yeah. not. He was uh, grew up in the mean streets of Camden, he's man. He's a rags so. of riches uh, scenario and all these poor like by the way these are some great names here walt whitman jersey joe walcott sean t these are all great guys whose name gets besmirched by being associated with howard unruh thanks how yeah he ruins pretty much everything here he's Uh, the worst another thing camden is well known for is unfortunately failed redevelopment projects that's uh this is a weird time in new jersey history because camden doesn't quite have the reputation that it has now this is kind of maybe like a middle class thing it's a a suburb of philly Kind of, is that fair to say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not far at all. Yeah. So you got there's some middle class things going on over here. There's a lot of, and again, it's one of those things too where this guy, I believe, and there's a lot of other things at play here, uh, local politics, and then you know, of course, uh, uh, demographic shifts, all sorts of stuff like that. But this incident we're talking about today is going to be synonymous with Camden to the point where it would not shock me if that's more like, oh, because uh, I, I grew up in Wayne, New Jersey, and there's one section of that town that would flood. And there's people on like way, way up in the hills. Wayne Hills High School. That's a, there's no flooding on a hill. But those people, if you say you're from Wayne, people will be like, oh, yeah, Wayne, where all the floods happen. Right. And there was like there's one, maybe four blocks of the town that flood. Right. But it's such a bad reputation that there's people like, oh, well, I, I, I'm just not going to say I'm from Wayne anymore. I'll say I'm from. It's West a shame when a few bad apples have to ruin it for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, interestingly enough, Camden does. You know, the, the reputation is maybe turning around this point. I don't quite know. It's uh, I've never had a good read on that place. But uh, mm. around this time frame, it's post-World War II America. All good right. times. Yeah, it seems that way. Things are prosperous. We won the big one. Uh, that's also true. <laughs> you, you know, we... Sequel that was better than the original. You know what I mean? True. <laughs> very rare. Very rare. It is. It was the uh, another Godfather 2 reference here. You didn't think I'd get a second one in, but here we are. Uh, Camden's a wild thing with that man. Uh, young men would go off to war, and this one, because my grandfather is of this uh, that generation, you know, and he was talking about how that when he joined up in the army, it was like you just hung out with all the neighborhood kids in the army. It wasn't because the Sullivans hadn't happened. If you don't know the story of the Sullivans, and I know for I guarantee you, Tyler Prysuck, Finnegan's Wake, uh, Murphy's Wake, rather, um, one of our, our diehard fans and one of uh, just a good guy in general. Um, I know he knows the story of uh, you know the, the, the Sullivans. And that was that uh, they were all on the same ship. And when it went down, the yep. poor mother lost all of her sons all at once. So ever since then, they actually make it so that if you're a sibling, uh, also in the military, you cannot be stationed at the same place. So Makes sense. Yeah, there was a, a loophole, too, for uh, another military unit known as G.I. Joe, when um, the half-brother of Duke, um, oh, no. yeah, voiced by Don Johnson in the 1987 movie. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Falcon. That was way more info than I expected you to know. And I was very proud when you said the voice actor. Bravo, KP. You get kahuna points. Kahuna I have a couple points. of weird, weird uh, knowledge pockets on uh, some stuff like that. And MacGyver and G.I. Joe were uh, huge parts of my childhood. <laughs> 
But uh, UNRWA is going to be one of these guys who goes off to war. And uh, it's a, a wild, wild thing to think about because I went off and I joined the military, but I didn't go see a bunch of action. And I, all, when I came back, it was like not everyone else had the same experience as me. So you did, I didn't really talk about it a whole lot because other people don't understand it. So it's a weird thing. But now this guy's going off to war and he's probably like my grandfather was telling me, he goes, oh, yeah, all the other kids from North Bergen were going to be over there with me. Yeah. You know, it was kids he was in the Boy Scouts with that now he's uh, in the combat engineers with. So it's a strange thing to think this way. But uh, Howard Unruh had been described as a shy but ambitious young man during his time at Woodrow Wilson High School. Any idea why Woodrow Wilson has uh, such a Jersey connection, Cahoons? Because he was the president during uh, the World War One time frame. Yeah, he also died. No, I'm an idiot. Never mind. No, you're good. Former so governor of New correct. Jersey. He did die, correct? Yeah, he, he did <laughs> correct. Die. When, you, when you're right, you're I, right. I was Go like, on. wait, no. There, I forgot which one died in Jersey. And I was like, wait, fuck. <laughs> but like, uh, didn't he have a home in Jersey or something like that? Or was from an area? Former Jersey? governor of New former Jersey. Former governor of Jersey. Yeah, okay. which is, but he's from Virginia, which always trips me out because... Uh, you know, there's a part of you that wants that hometown thing. Like, yeah, hey, just like, get a Jersey guy in office. That'll be good, right? Mm. And then no, we uh, got a Virginia dude. Yeah, that's well, weird. Currently, we have a, uh, a Massachusetts fella in uh, in good old Phil Murphy. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's a governor of Jersey. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Anyway, continue. Again, we. That's the beautiful part about this show. It ain't political. It folks. ain't political. <laughs> But uh, Unruh will uh, – he's going to be described when he's attending Woodrow Wilson High School as, like I said, a shy but ambitious young man with a desire that he expressed to get a government job. That's what he wanted to do. Very lofty expectations. So like Kevin Garifo. <laughs> <laughs> that is a reference I've made on every time I've come on the American Loser podcast. You have to though. It's because our good friend Shining Wizards Kevin, who's a, a gem of a human being. Excellent uh, podcaster. Uh, he's a, he – well, he actually thinks this is Kahuna's show that I'm the sound engineer for. That's how little respect <laughs> shows me. But uh, uh, they do attend this place here, uh, Woodrow Wilson High School. A couple other uh, famous people went to uh, that school as well. A couple of NFL players as well who also have their good names besmirched by having something in common because with them. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember. There's a couple. It's a bunch of NFL players, one or two that are still in the league right now, I believe. And the school is still standing, Woodrow Wilson High School in Camden, New Jersey. Still open. It is. Um, now, uh, UNRWA, like we said, it's a weird thing to express a desire to work a government job. But you know what? Government job is benefits. It's not going to pay the greatest, but it's safe work, right? We also got to remember after, you know, you went through the Depression in the 30s. And then you had World War II where just everyone goes to war. You know, women stepped up, but I'm sure it wasn't easy. And everybody comes back. You probably want a steady job. Mm-hmm. Can't blame him for that. Because uh, there's a lot of people out in the Midwest uh, prior to World War II that probably had a good job. And then somebody came up and just put a sign up on the front and uh, changed their entire lives forever. That was it. Clothes, you know. Or if uh, if you're a working men, keep moving, I believe, is one of the signs that I saw. Keep moving. Mm-hmm. So a lot going on over here. Uh, he's going to graduate from high school in 1939. And uh, in a way, Rich, he gets his wish. Because by 1942, he is technically working a government job just for the United States Army. Anything big him. going on in the, the world in the big picture in 1942, Goons? Just, just a little thing. Just a little war. Nothing too big. Nothing too fancy. This is a, a weird, uh, a, a goofy little German fella maybe uh, yeah. making a couple of speeches. He's yeah. an artist. Quite angry. Angry little rejected <laughs> artist. Great speaker. Yeah. 
That's Charlie you, Chaplin. <laughs> it's important too, guys. Please support local artists because you never know which one might become Chancellor of Germany one day. Right. You never know which one will become big. Also true. true. <laughs> now, do you think they left Harold off the uh, off the alumni list at Woodrow Wilson? Like, you know, when you go to like certain schools, they have like the board that's like, here's who graduated here. You think they want to leave on the, the spree killer? <laughs> if I had to pick, and that's the worst part too, is that they do just list him as what he is, which again, it's a true crime episode. <laughs> so you guys know it's not going to be something good. Every, if it's, it's kind of funny. Everyone oh, else, no. if you check out the Wikipedia, He's... everyone else has like these long sentences and stuff like that. Howard's is just spree killer. <laughs> yep. Jesus. <laughs> that's that's 39. Your... Uh, actually, the current mayor, Frank Moran, uh, I just noticed this one. He's been the mayor of Camden since uh, two, 2018. Yeah, he was also a Woodrow Wilson graduate. So for him. I bet you if you mention the name Howard Unruh to him, though, he would have some some opinions. So. <laughs> uh, now, Unruh will actually, uh, again, his name is infamous and he's a terrible human being. But at this time, he's going to serve his country rather honorably. He's going to be in the European theater as a member of a tank squadron and saw action. I couldn't find the name of his unit. But it would not shock me because he did have tours and saw combat in Italy, France, Austria, and Belgium, which would have been the Battle of the Bulge, where mm -hmm. my grandfather fought with um, his with the combat engineers. And he was part of Patton's Third Army. So it would not shock me if that's your loser reception for the week, folks, that Howard Unruh was technically a soldier under the command of General George Patton. So uh, his section chief, when he was in this tank unit, actually uh, referred to Unruh as he was a first-class soldier. And had notes saying that uh, Unruh never drank, never swore, and never chased girls. Well, yeah, which sounds two out admirable. of three. I don't, I don't agree with. <laughs> Rich had a shot of whiskey before he came here, and uh, he's retired from one life. I'll say that much. <laughs> but uh, no, that would mean that you couldn't really trust the guy. That was the whole thing. Like, if you met a guy that didn't drink in the military, they were like, eh, "Are you sure about this one?" Even in our demo dick episode, they were saying that there were qualified guys to join the SEAL program, but if they didn't drink, they're like, "Well, we don't know what he's like. We can't trust a guy." Can't doesn't trust drink. a man who doesn't drink. Doesn't chase girls either, though. That's a little bit strange. You'd think every young man, especially who's going off to war, would want to maybe spend time with a female companion. Yeah, but we, what you don't know if you're missing it. Now, that's true, too. The other thing being, uh, is it perhaps that maybe that's just not a thing he was interested in? Perhaps. Because as good of a time as it was to be an American around this time frame, as we're rebounding from a, uh, you know, obviously some economic hardships. It was not a good time to be uh, LGBTQ plus uh, for yeah. in this time period. This now, is was old it? school when they were just the G community. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is wild, man, because uh, Unreal, like we said, first class soldier and uh, they're saying those things that sound complimentary. Oh, he doesn't drink. He doesn't, it sounds like compliments. They're not. Um, his hobbies included being quiet. <laughs> I'm thinking, Wait, what? <laughs> Seriously? Leave me alone. I'm thinking. <laughs> he was just known to be a quiet guy. You'd leave him alone kind of a thing. Uh, he would keep notes, very detailed notes. This part was maybe, this is where you're starting to see the Joaquin Phoenix Little Joker cookie. turn. Um, even a little bit is like the creepiness of uh, like Joaquin Phoenix in that movie, uh, The Master. Yeah, I just watched it. Yeah. It's a good flick, but uh, you're starting to see some of the weird, you know, um, some of the eccentric qualities that this guy possesses. Sure. Uh, he keeps detailed notes on the enemies killed in combat. So that's like if he's in a tank squadron, he goes, oh, we blew that tank up. So let me go over there and take a All right, it looks like this guy's body, this guy died from the explosion, and this guy would have died from this, and it looks like this guy got burned alive, and maybe this guy was, you know, so he's keeping notes on that, which... 
I mean, it's not a good sign. No, I don't think that's healthy. That's uh, no. There's. A, I'm not saying you have to go cry over the dead body of a guy who was pointing a gun at you earlier, but I'm, I'm saying no, maybe, no. you know, maybe a little emotional distance on that one. Uh, unfortunately, uh, another hobby of his was he would write very, very long letters home, almost all to his mother. So Hello, guess, mother. So we got some Norman Bates energy. A little bit of psycho too. thing going on, right? Uh, Wait so. a second. Now a guy can't love his mother? There's Jesus a, Christ, Kevin. <laughs> actually, ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing in Rich's mother right now to spend <laughs> some time with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rich, you were supposed to take out the trash. I just spoke with my mother before the show. She's fine. <laughs> She's expecting my call after the show. It's a, Here's the thing. You're definitely, it's a good thing to keep your mother informed here. I know a lot of, you know, guys, uh, you know, I, I remember being in boot camp and getting uh, misty-eyed on the phone when I called my mom for the first time after, like, you know, five weeks in boot camp. And you hear her voice and it just melts you a little bit. You know, you know what they say about the Irish and their mothers. It's, uh, <laughs> we make them cry when we say goodbye kind of a thing. But um, the, Well, the, the letters weren't the weird part. It's the picture he kept in the foxhole. <laughs> um, it's, uh, he's definitely got some weird stuff here, too. Uh, plus, he's always writing. Always very long letters and always to her, but he's also keeping these notes on the dead body thing. You think the two ever intertwined? Oh, by the way, Mother, we found uh, uh, four Germans that were burned to death inside of a tank that uh, they were not able to escape from in time. Like, no one thought to, like, bring this up to, like, a higher up while he was in... While he was in the in the army, I think a lot. It's such a. It feels like a cop out to say it was simpler times back then, but I think they legit. They had only kind of sort of figured out what shell shocked meant during World War One. The idea of PTSD did not exist prior to this, and then the, also the idea of being a psychopath used to be like. I mean, we're not too far off. What was it? Phrenology, when you can feel bumps on somebody's head, and then right. you would think that you could determine. What personality traits they're gonna have? Oh, you have a. It's a bunk science, by the way. It's not real. Kahuna started running his fingers through his head, like, "Oh, I'm creative." <laughs> <laughs> I always thought this. Um, now you could probably, obviously, have a more uh, history in this regard than me, Kevin. But in the military, if, if I was running a platoon and I had someone who was very good at killing, yes, um, I'd want to keep him. Yeah, at least till the end of the war. Let him do him because he's uh, he's turning out great work. Right. That kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, you, it's unfortunate. But if you're, lo you're in war and looking to win battles, you want to you want a kooky guy who's who's not afraid to kill many people. Uh, you're a huge baseball fan. So that would sure. be like a, you got to ride the hot streak. This guy. Hey, it's uh, you know, he's got an unorthodox swing, but he seems to be on base a lot. We're going to let him do his thing. <laughs> well, wait, were go. these like his confirmed kills or were these just random bodies on the field that he would take notes on? It doesn't go into hyper specifics with that because there's not a whole lot. I mean, most of this stuff is public record about him and then people that said they spoke about him after his incident, which uh, that's when he gets a little bit of international fame, if you will, or infamy to be more infamy. accurate. So uh, they don't exactly say what it is, but I would imagine it would be some people that he would, you know, when, when things quieted down after some combat, because he saw a shitload of them. If you go, if you're a World War II uh, a historian or a buff in any capacity, you would know that uh, when your career starts with the fighting in Italy and ends in Germany, you were there for the duration. Yeah. Because you're missing out on the Africa campaign. You're there for that's the pretty much it. Yeah, that's about it. So... Um, again, his hobbies, quiet guy here writing these notes home. Uh, he studies his Bible diligently, right. loves the good book. And uh, his other hobbies included marksmanship and uh, deadliest of all, Rich, 
Long form improv. Oh, KP, <laughs> that's inappropriate at this time. His name's Howard. <laughs> he loved almost Harold Unruh. Harold. <laughs> it was actually named after him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, he's not actually an improv guy, just to let you guys know. But Unruh is known for his. Everything was planned. <laughs> you could have kept that in, and I, and I would have believed it. It's, uh, it's if, there. There's if, something to it. <laughs> There's a USO show he can go try out at, but. Um, I, I don't want to go off on a diatribe. I did, I'll tell you after the show, I did find out something very weird about a, a USO show at a POW camp that spurred an actor that you will know later on. Yeah. Very, very strange. Sign stuff. up for the Patreon. Over $25 <laughs> a week. <laughs> um, but he's known, Unruh, for this deadly marksmanship. That's by his own you know, superior officers. That's what they're noticing. They're not being like, they're, they're dismissing the fact, hey, he keeps notes about dead bodies. But look at the tight groupings he has over uh -huh. here on the pistol. Um, nobody seems to think twice about the strange notebooks that he has full of these detailed encounters with dead Nazis. They would probably agree with uh, George Carlin. Would uh, he, he, He's not the one who coined the term, but he's the one who, in my mind, made it most famous of, uh, you got to watch out for the quiet ones. Yeah. <laughs> so He was focused. Yeah, they might like hyper right. He wasn't wasting his time going after babes, dimes, birds. He wanted to kill people. I just want to see how many more of those you were yeah, able to Yeah, I, I felt like you had a list there. I didn't want to get you canceled. The days. The chicken moves. <laughs> Broads. Well, uh, Unruh, he's actually going to receive an honorable discharge, much like me, guys, all right? We have something in common, me wow. and today's list. Those loser. are real hard to get, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Unruh would return to his mother's house in New Jersey. He went home to mom? He did. Uh, and, again, I don't think that was – it was definitely peculiar for the time because there were – it was so much easier to be a homeowner back then, you know, that kind of, uh, so, and it even falls in line with, keep in mind, we're, we're, I think the Joaquin Phoenix thing is accurate here. So I don't mean to burn whatever you're going to use for uh, um, your, you know, casting couch at the end here, but I, I think that's a good one just for the listeners to kind of get an idea of, we're slowly seeing some of these little unique traits start to take over a little bit. And that's going to be on full display here as we're moving forward. Um, for a brief time, while he's living uh, with his mother, because the family's divorced, by the way. The father and mother are split, and he's spending time with the, uh, the mother, and he's got a, a younger brother, I believe. And he's actually going to work as a sheet metal worker, uh, but that will soon end because Howard, he's got bigger ideas for himself. He becomes enrolled at the Temple University. All right, Temple University over in Philadelphia. Uh, my good friend Chris Hollenbeck, uh, I can't. I can't remember if he's associated with them or if his wife went there or something. I can't remember. He's going to message me angrily that I mentioned it. But <laughs> anyway, shout out. Shout out Chris Hollenbeck. Um, but notable alumni from Temple will include Tom Sizemore, the Jets, formerly of the Jets, Robbie Anderson, Hall and Oates. Both? Both went to Temple. Hell yeah. You know? And uh, sadly, their names also besmirched by being something in common with the infamous Howard Unruh. So Howard would leave Temple in less than a month and return back to his mother's house where he did not take a day job. So he goes off to college for about a hot month. He's studying. I, wanted, I think he wanted to be a pharmacist. Mm -hmm. Comes which, back home to Jersey, opens up a motel, you know. Hello, mother. If he could have just gone into stand-up comedy, you know, I mean – Worked all those issues out. Yeah, exactly. It's like therapy up there. <laughs> <laughs> Does not take a day job. Instead, while his mother is working, she's got a job. He's home all day. And he spends his time decorating the house with his war medals, 
and practicing shooting downstairs in his homemade gun range in the basement. What a lucky son of a bitch. It sounds awesome on paper, yeah. doesn't it? And then you realize you're like, And then Man. you look at the history and you're like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Here's, here's where someone should have intervened. <laughs> That's why we can't have pistol ranges in our basement. Uh, Unruh's pistol of choice was the legendary German Luger pistol. You ever seen a Luger before, Cahoons? Yeah, it's the basis for Han Solo's gun. Close. That is actually based off of the Han Solo gun, which uh, Ming has a, 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 I guess, a replica made of over here. That's actually based off of a Mauser. Really? Yeah, the Mauser oh, okay. pistol in World War One because it had that. Uh, it's one of the first guns to ever have like a clip to it in the front, and they uh, they modeled it off that. So the Luger actually is a slightly variant thing. It's a uh, the, the gun that Indiana Jones shoots through four Nazis with a Luger. And I, he brings a gun to a knife fight, basically? It's, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, no. It's no, the one you're he thinking has of when he's pistol. fighting the oh, German in the uh, desert. Okay. So I want to say that's in uh, Last Crusade, that he shoots the... Is it in Raiders or is it in... Um, Why am I thinking Raiders? It might be in Raiders, too, because, I mean, it's Nazis in both of those. Yeah, he's... There's a Luger in Raiders, but it's not. That's not the one. It's not like the famous through. one. Yeah, I just yeah. remember seeing it. But it's uh, one of the most unique-looking guns out there because it has a curved handle um, that, that cuts at a diagonal, which is really cool-looking. Sharp gun. Uh, by the way, just a, a little side note here: that he has the P08 Luger, which will be eventually replaced by the P38 made by Walther Firearms, which will also later make the Walther PPK, James Bond's gun. So they're all kind of tied in there. And there's a Walther PK-380, which I forgot to get something for my sister for her wedding, so I'm giving her mine. Carrie's going to get a gun on her now. Kahuna just said, Carrie's going to have a gun. That's two times you said the name, man. (laughs) That's true. We better get through the rest of the show. Well, between uh, being considered a bit of a 'er ne'er-do-well, because, again, keep in mind, this kid's home from the war now. He's an able-bodied guy. Mom's working a job, but he just kind of hangs out at home all day. and The guns don't shoot themselves, Kevin. That's it. <laughs> well, uh, he's staying at home. Mom's working. He's got a little bit of this odd personality, not to mention, obviously, like you said, there's a shooting range in the basement. I just picture him watching like old Royal Rumbles on YouTube at like three in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what else he's doing to pass his time. But If Kevin loved me enough to listen to this episode, <laughs> he'd be so angry with us right now. Um, Howard's actually going to start taking up a new hobby, and that's having arguments with his neighbors. Get off my lawn. Um, not far off, man. One such neighbor and Howard actually had an ongoing feud over at Howard using this neighbor's backyard to access what he referred to as his apartment at his mother's house. Mm. So he had his own little, like a Bates Motel kind of room, like yeah. Cahoons was saying here. So uh, after some issues in which uh, Unruh claimed that the neighbor in question, the pharmacist known as Maurice Cohen, had made insulting remarks about my character... You know, and uh, again, it's a true crime podcast. We've kind of mentioned that he's a spree killer. Um, you don't besmirch my good name, sir. I'll kill you and your whole family to prove that I'm a good guy. You think I'm an asshole? I'll prove you wrong. <laughs> well, uh, Maurice Cohen and him have this beef going on here, and this will escalate, but not before a series of small incidents. So you want to have you at your penultimate moment here, Cahoons, in the, the story, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Now the, the dark images are popping into his head, maybe He's seeing some weird figures uh, in the shadows kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Getting creepier and creepier here. The first incident will be on September 5th. Howard will install a gate in the backyard in order for him to access the apartment. That's that one that he's in the dispute with with his neighbor, Maurice Cohen. Mm. After that, Unruh will head to Philadelphia 
the other city by the bay, to see a movie, but also to meet up with a homosexual man for what is largely considered to have been a hookup or a date. So this is pre-Grinder era, and uh, he it's hard to find, you know, it's hard to meet anybody in general back then, but it's very hard to meet another gay guy if you want to have a gay experience or whatever kind of a deal. No Craigslist personals to go throw up there. No. So he's got to go meet up with this gay guy. And there's no cell phones where if uh, this happened to me not too, too long ago uh, on a, a date with a lady. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, only sort of. But uh, I had to was meet up with a girl and uh, she was texting me. We were both in opposite ends of the same parking lot waiting for one to get out of the car and go. Now, if it was 1983, the two of us would have just been like, I can't believe this piece of shit is standing me up. And then we would have just gone home and stared at our phone. Like, I'm not going to call them. They should call me. Um, not to go back in history. Kev, uh, I know you're young. Before cell phones, when we had dates, we would just meet at the place. We would walk inside. It was weird. It's we a, wouldn't text each other and be like, are you there? Where are you? But it is 19, uh, you know, we're talking post-World War II era here. Oh, yeah. And Howard Unruh has to be like, hey, are you the gay guy I'm going to bang later? Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sir. Awkward. <laughs> are you sweet pea? <laughs> oh, man. But... Uh, he goes to meet up with this guy, and the two of them wind up. Because, uh, uh, by the way, Unra is 28 years old at this time frame. Okay. So, by those time standards, he should have been married with kids at this point. You know, kind of a distinguished gentleman thing. Yeah. And uh, Unra is actually going to be delayed with getting to Philly, and he's not able to meet up with his intended romantic paramour here. Oh. So, Ouch. yeah, little to no experience with women up to that point. Uh, and then now he misses a date with a guy that he's going to try to, you know, that there maybe there was some, uh, you know, self-loathing attached to all that, too. I'm sure it's not easy. It's uh, I know a lot of people have come out of the closet and they said it's uh, even difficult by modern standards. Now, imagine back then when it's like you're feeling yeah. like a freak circus kind of a thing. And he's not really playing with a full deck of cards to begin with. Mm. <laughs> so. Upon his arrival back to his home, you know, he has to, just like me, all right, he's leaving, you know, he's, uh, he's leaving the city, he's coming back to New Jersey, he's all depressed after a terrible set, you know, something went wrong. I've seen it happen. Go ahead. It is what it is. He uh, gets back over to his home in East Camden, where Unruh will notice that the gate he had just installed earlier that day had been removed. Who could he blame? Snap. That son of a bitch pharmacist, the no good pharmacist Maurice Cohen probably had something to do with it because he was always making the insulting remarks about my character. And now this guy just stood me up and then I've been hanging out in the movie theater till 3 a.m. by myself watching movies. He's gone nuts. Mm. All right. The term has not yet been established, but this is postal before the term postal was postal. True. So um, the powder keg has been filling for years, but this will certainly light the fuse. And he begins plotting and planning the unspeakable act that he will commit the next morning. But not before a full breakfast of Wheaties and pork roll. Oh, thank you, Mom. <laughs> yep. A cup of Folgers will set you off right. The best part of waking up. Can't do a killing spree on an empty stomach. Oof. Also true. Tell just, me about it. Uh, you get a donut. Just uh, time to make the donuts. <laughs> Well, after his mother will leave for the day, but not before making Howard his aforementioned breakfast, uh, his woman, uh, I'm sorry, his mother, whose name was uh, Freda Volmer. All right, that was her name. She sounds hot. You, uh, you know it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Howard's divorced mother would never see her son in the same light ever again. A formerly straight arrow with shy qualities and possibly an involuntary celibate with uh, latent gay desires 
would now begin loading his pockets with bullets and preparing his Luger as a sort of marching band baton for his infamous walk of death. There's a little... I don't want to give him Terminator music because I don't want him to sound cool because this guy sucks. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, it's almost <laughs> like... Uh, I'm thinking Assault on Precinct 13 music type. The original or the remake? The original, obviously. Thank you. Cahoon is a carpenter diehard. Good, so. I love it. I just want to make sure. Um... Now, he gets started early. I'll give him his credit here. 9.20 a.m., Anwar begins walking on River Street. He attempts to shoot a bread truck driver, but barely misses. The driver's able to get away. The driver scrambles, and he's going to try to warn other people, but he's a little bit too late. Because, first of all, when you get into an encounter like that, you know, there's usually a cooling off period of, like, total shock. Or like, holy crap, I can't. So you're not thinking clearly. And, uh... He's too late, unfortunately, when he does decide to go start warning people. Unra has gone full monster, folks, and he's going to begin his mass shooter scenario. One of the first names on his list was John Palarchik, who was the city shoemaker. All right. It's uh, you've heard about the shoemaker's kids, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, this particular shoemaker, he's not going to have a real good day. Uh, Unra will shoot and kill him instantly with a shot to the head. So... Next on the list is the city barber. Uh, I mean, just leave a Yelp review next time, guys. All right? You know, it's... it's one bad haircut. Wah, it's not wah. bad. Clark Hoover is the name of the city barber over in the East Camden neighborhood of which Unruh was probably a customer. And he walks in and uh, not only will he shoot Hoover, kill him instantly with a headshot, he will also take the time to shoot the six-year-old boy whose, Hoover, whose hair Hoover was cutting at the time. Ugh. So a six-year-old boy sitting there in the chair, he gets shot in the neck, and uh, he's killed here. The next target is, the next target, I should say, is Maurice Cohen. All right, that's the pharmacist who probably removed this gate. Mm -hmm. That uh, I mean, you don't know what that gate symbolized, probably. Yeah. Uh, he's a man assumed to have been who Unruh was uh, most infuriated with and made these derogatory comments about his character. Now, uh, on his way to the pharmacy... Unruh will encounter a man out front who's not on his list, doesn't know who the guy is. And he goes, oh, excuse me. That kind of a thing to the guy, right? And th there's some weird moments in that. There's like, a, a, I immediately when I read this, went back to No Country for Old Men when Javier Bardem flips the coin and he goes, what'd you win? He goes, your life, and walks away. And that person has no clue. Like, did I just, uh, heads just saved yeah, my yeah. life? <laughs> so this guy... Uh, when someone says, oh, excuse me, always be polite, all right? And then apparently this guy uh, was not polite back and didn't move as quickly as Mr. Unruh wanted him to, and Unruh was going to let him go. But then when he saw that the guy was taking his time and maybe looking like he was going to be a dick about it, Unruh shot and killed him. All right. In, in the guy's defense, he's in Jersey. That's it. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Wow, what do you want? What time is it? I'll tell you what time it is. Uh, it's uh, – not even baseball season either. That's when you can have an excuse on something like that. You know, maybe people sitting out front listening to a game or something, but nope. Uh, he winds up shooting this guy. Now he goes inside the pharmacy and a gunshot. I mean, this is a Luger that he's carrying around. It's a loud gun, right? Yeah. It's it's not a, a twenty two where you can mistake it for maybe like a, a car backfiring or something. And uh, inside the pharmacy, Unruh will now see Cohen and his wife fleeing for safety. So Maurice's wife would then hide their son in a closet and hid herself in another closet, okay? Unruh would never find the boy. The boy's name is Charles, all right? But he does find Rose Cohen and shoots her in the face when he finds her in the closet here. Uh, as Unruh will now search for Maurice, he'd find Maurice's mother and shoot her as she's attempting to call the cops. 
So this is a blood path. Like it's yeah. nuts. It's he's in full on bloodlust here. This is you are cementing yourself as evil uh, as each moment passes by. So Unra, after finding Maurice, will actually shoot Maurice in the back as Maurice is running away. So the guy who had this beef with him. Yeah. Uh, Howard Unra just settled that beef, um, unfortunately. Uh, the Coens were all dead with the exception of Charles. So Charles would live for 60 more years. Is this the detail that you were going to mention? Because this one, this one throttled me a little bit. The shocking one? Yes. Do you want to take it from here? Because what, what, Charles will live 60 more years. He dies at age 72. Um, and then what? He, so Charles. The little boy Charles, in the closet. Charles, the little boy in the closet whose oh, mother the, the gets kid. shot. Yeah, his yeah. mother gets shot. His father gets shot. His grandmother gets shot. He lives because, uh, again, Unra never finds him. And Neckett's going to live uh, 60 more years. He actually, uh, I don't want to give away the last little part about um, another person who died kind of relatively similar time frame to him. But uh, Charles will die at age 72. He had a granddaughter, Rich. That is true. Any uh, Anything you want to tell us about this one? Because this part of the story left me a little unsettled. Um, his granddaughter. Uh, also. Car- Carly Novell. Carly. Mm-hmm. Um, was a student at Parkland. Yep. School. Um, and was on scene during the shooting, and she also survived by hiding in a closet. 110% true. Yep. Wow. The Parkland shooting of 2018 uh, would actually see Carly Novell hide in the closet, just like her grandfather, on her mother's side, too. It's mm-hmm. the mother, uh, the maternal grandfather. And uh, she lives to see another day and is still alive right now because she sat there and goes, this is just like Grandpa's story. Uh-huh. Fucking run for the closet. See, I have my grandfather's nose. That's <laughs> she has her grandfather's survival instincts, uh, and they're pretty damn good ones, man. They yeah, really are. Out. It's a uh, um, pretty freaky. It freaked me out. The pretty hair freaky. stood up on my uh, my arm on that one here. But uh, Unra, like we said, never does find uh, the boy on that one. Thank God. His next uh, target will actually he winds up shooting a driver. And again, a second ago, we're talking about a salesman outside in front of the pharmacy that didn't get out of the way quick enough. This guy actually slows down like, oh, whoa, whoa, what are you doing, buddy? You're in the middle of the road over here. What's going on? So that guy's actually being polite. Unra shoots him dead. So this guy's dead now. Um, kind of a dickhead here. The local tailor, Mr. Zagrino, was on Unra's list, but uh, not at the shop because now Unra goes into the tailor shop. And uh, Zagrino has the distinction of being the only survivor of the intended victims on Unra's list, but it does come at a price. His wife, Helga, is unfortunately at the shop. She is killed by Unra, as is a small child that Unra is unaware that he hit as he was just firing randomly into buildings. So, next location was a food store. Uh, firing blindly into the store since he was unable to get in, Unra's marksmanship proved fatal for Helen Wilson and her mother. The two of them would die instantly, and their young son, who was, I think, age eight, uh, he winds up dying a few days later in the hospital as well. The rest of Unra's victims would either escape with just wounds or unscathed at all, uh, whether or not you want to talk about the emotional aspect oh, yeah. of your quiet town in East Camden turning into... I mean, this is pre-Columbine, dude. This is kind of unheard of shit. Uh, Unra's marksmanship, like we said, definitely making him more effective as a killer here, too. As the police sirens begin to surround him, Unra will return to his apartment, where the police would later find a stash of weapons, knives, and bullet-making materials, and, of course... Tons more ammunition. So, so this is something crazy that I found while I was looking for my casting couch and stuff. I found a map that is literally his kill path. 
in the street and it's the the whole block is pretty much unchanged to this day brutal we need gentrification to get into camden all right i want wells fargo's all over the place here i want i want oof that one is a little bit unsettling to look at man a whole food fucking weird yeah it's brutal man but uh the cops are on their way now they're uh they're closing in on the guy here he's uh put himself up into his uh apartment he's firing back at the cops this one's fucking nuts Unruh's location was known to the police, right? A gunfight is breaking out when Unruh's phone rings during the shootout, okay? And he finds a... Uh, you want to say what the story is? You know this part, right? Well, he answers the phone, and they said, uh, Unruh like to speak to you about your vehicle warranty. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what started the killing spree. Yes. Oh, that, almost justifiable if that was how it uh, the inception moment for um, it. No, this was... Uh, one of our first examples of the media. Yes. Excellent point. Keep going. Taking over uh, these horrific accidents and glorifying them. So there is true muckraker journalism that's like the the stuff that had to happen, and thank God it did, and those people have absolute courage. Then there's also the dickhead from the Die Hard movies. <laughs> you I know, like that guy. We're here with John McClane's kids. What do you want to say, <laughs> Lucy McClane? Uh, so this guy winds up calling up. He goes, hey, I'm a friend of yours. Uh, uh, big fan, Howard. What? Talk to me. What are you doing in there? <laughs> and, and Howard apparently is answering in a clear voice uh, saying, he goes, uh, oh, well, I mean, they're not doing much to me in here, but I'm doing plenty to them. You know, almost like he's doing a vaudeville kind of a thing. Yeah. So a little bit ridiculous here. Uh, they're trying to ask him more and more questions. And then he goes, uh, he, he, they can hear him. Sometimes he's answering directly. Other times you can hear him like putting the phone down, almost like when uh, when I'm on the Mother! phone. <laughs> I'm busy talking to my friends. Sometimes uh, I'll hear because you have two new dogs at the house now, right? So we'll, oh, yeah. we'll be talking. I don't know. We'll be talking about baseball or comedy or something. I'll just hear you in the call. Like, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? <laughs> they talk away from the you know the, into the yeah, telephone. The Mets aren't scoring. Stop sitting on her head. <laughs> <laughs> Another cool photo I just found from the from the day of the incident. It's, I was scared to hit Google it's, Images. It's oh. the, it's him in his apartment with two cops on the side aiming the guns up at it. I don't know why the thing keeps disappearing, but you see the picture there. That's actually Howard chilling in the window. That's creepy, man. So, Because uh, the cops that wind up going after him, um, they're also former military. One guy served in World War II, and the police captain was a World War I veteran. That wow. Yeah, you're calling in the big guns when the captain's showing up over there. You know it. They wind up throwing tear gas in because I, I think the final line that he says to the reporter who calls him. And by the way, the reporter got his number by just looking it up in the phone book. Yeah. Ooh, looks like Howard. Run, everyone. Howard Unruh's killing people. And this scumbag journalist guy goes, Unruh, Unruh. I'll look under hmm. the use. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, one of the last lines he has, he goes, uh, he told the reporter, he goes, can't talk. Got to go. Got some friends coming to get me. <laughs> and there's gunshots ringing out in the background on this phone call. It's like it, it sounds like it's going to be unsettling to hear. Um, luckily, I don't think there's a recording of it. Thank God. That's yeah. one of those things I'm glad is lost to time. Uh, sometimes it does us a favor, saves us from ourselves, kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. But uh, they wind up capturing him, right? He comes out, he surrenders, he goes, you got me. That's the kind of thing. And he winds up uh, being taken into custody over here. Uh, again, that final line of uh, "have to go," got some friends picking me up. That could mean almost anything. So, but uh, Unruh would surrender to the police, who will find over 700 more rounds of ammunition. And then in his apartment is Unruh's Bible, left open to Matthew chapter 24. 
You want to guess what they talk about in chapter 24, Cahoons, of Matthew? I have no idea. Uh, it's Jesus explaining to everyone how to recognize the signs of the apocalypse. So a little bit foreboding there, you know, definitely a little creepy. So... Death is but a door. Time is but a window. I'll be back. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus, Cahoons. The only thing creepier you could do is if you said, fire, walk with me. <laughs> so uh, thank God for the tear gas. They were able to do this. They were able to you know, end the incident. And uh, Honor would face charges on the 13. It's 13 people that he Oof. killed during this uh, walk. And he also injured more. He would be declared criminally insane with paranoid schizophrenia and would be considered, because of that diagnosis, to be immune from prosecution. More specifically, there's no chance he was going to get the death penalty. So he would wind up finishing his days in a maximum security, not prison, psychiatric facility, also located at Trenton State facility, not college. Oh. Right? As my, uh, the great Uncle Bobby, Bobby Burke, says uh, any time that the College of New Jersey tries to send him uh, uh, stuff to donate on account of him being an alumni, he goes, I didn't go to the College of New Jersey. I went to Trenton State. Fun fact, it's abandoned. What is the psychiatric facility? The place where he was at. Ooh, uh, let's go could, visit it at night. I guarantee you there's probably, a weird New Jersey. You could oh, probably yeah. find the record of the room he was in. Probably go just walk inside. It's a uh, well. It was creepy too because uh, another person that was kept on that facility was because uh, uh, keep in mind you have uh, the Ice Man. He was going to be at Trenton State Prison, right? Yeah. His brother was also over there. The Kuklinski brothers. There's a bunch of other uh, Christian Cordes was kept there, man. I mean, it's some wild, creepy shit down in that area. So many great alumni, and it's just ruined by Howard Unruh. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, he would finish his days, like we said, in this maximum security uh, psychiatric facility. And unfortunately, he's going to die with uh, his, some of his last public words ever said. I don't know if you got to this in your no. bit of research. Uh, unsettling potential final last words or last public words. Um, yeah, what do you want to say, Howard? He goes, I would have killed a thousand if I had enough bullets. Uh, yeah, he's full on. It's not even Joker because Joker's charming. Yeah, no, there's a good quote. This dude is just like cold. I maintain the original Psycho movie, if watched in the dark, in like a theater type setting, is still a terrifying movie, yeah. right? Because of the performance of the actor playing Norman Bates. He is so unhinged when he finally goes that at the very end when he's just... Yeah, when he great. looks, when you get looked at in the camp, like, yeah. like it's almost staring at you. Mm -hmm. I, I remember watching the Psycho for the first time and feeling just I completely I wouldn't even to fly. Yep. <sighs> When they do, because that's a whole thing too, because that's the uh, uh, the Ken Burns effect that they have when you start zooming in on a photo. Almost every creepy documentary or whatever will do that because your eyes are. I, I I'm telling you guys this. I wrote this episode last night. Uh, it was a Sunday night. I I wanted to be in bed already. I wanted to be you know enjoying my evening or anything like that. And I'm sitting here having to write about a mass murderer. And I specifically sat there and said in the dark. I can't look at this fucker. I don't want to look him in the eyes because that, that there is that windows to the soul thing. It freaks me out. I mean, you still have that nightlight, so it's not complete darkness that you sleep in. It's the one that says Miller High Life. <laughs> <laughs> that buzzing sound. But uh, that is his final words was, I'd have killed a thousand if I'd had enough bullets. But like, was that said like way back when when he was caught or was that said like towards the tail end of his life well here's the sad part remember uh the the guy the kid that hid in the closet that lived yeah 
he actually will die at age 72 and Howard Unruh is still alive uh, when that guy dies. He dies maybe, I think, six months afterwards. So Unruh died in 2019. 2009. Man, I'm so bad with numbers. I have number dyslexia. 2009 that he dies. 88 years old. Yep. This asshole lives 88 years. Got that. Are you kidding me? Yep. Three square meals a day, all in the dime, because he's crazy. Hour of yard time. Said he felt great. Ugh, brutal. Painting. You know, those paintings probably wouldn't sold. shock me. It really wouldn't Brian shock me if he was painting. into painting because Cahoons is already going, go, God damn it, he probably sold everything to it. Yeah. No, you want to buy a Bronson painting, the guy from the UK that Tom Hardy did the movie about? That guy, you buy his art because he was kind of interesting. Um, this guy, Howard Unruh, I'm going to go ahead and say douchebag. Fair enough to say, fellas? Yeah. yeah. He ranks low on the loser scale. Oh, he's I don't, just a I don't scumbag. like him. That's <laughs> uh, any thoughts uh, in closing there, uh, Ricardo Grande? No, it's. it's uh... It's a weird feeling because you hear, you know, you're proud when you're from New Jersey that we're number one. It's so many great things. Diners, <laughs> cheese fries, um, traffic circles, um, baseball. We, we have so many great, great uh, accomplishments. And then when you hear the first mass murderer, spree killer um, was from New Jersey. I, at first you're like, of course, it's Jersey. And then uh, you hear a story and you're not so proud. It's uh, his story is terrible. And I'm not advocating for mass murder at all. But if. You told me that he was trying to navigate exit 145 on the parkway after it. 5 o'clock on a weekday. I would sit there and say, 13? All right. All right we can work with 13. Yeah, I mean, he's driving south on the parkway on a Friday of Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> you see the anger. You get it. It's a, it's a depressing story, man. So we're, we're trying hard for yeah. jokes here, folks. We're trying to keep it a little bit light on you. But this guy's story had to be told because he's one of the uh, the firsts, if you will. First. He's America's uh, first. For mass shooter. The yeah, first. the uh, Texas University shooting was almost 20 years later. No shit. Yeah, what was that? There's another spree killer, too, uh, in the in Jersey's uh, annals of history as well that uh, is worth noting. But definitely a creepy fucking story. Uh, Cahoons, if you had to, if you had the unfortunate task of making a movie about this guy, mm. um, what would be the person that you would cast as Howard Unruh? Uh, I had... I, it came down to three choices. One, I'm just going to say first because I don't. I'm still kind of questioning it. Plus, I don't know. Many people probably might not know the actor. But Ezra, Ming Chen. <laughs> Ming Chen. Ezra Miller, I thought would be kind of cool. Ezra Why do I Miller, know that name? Ezra Miller is the current guy who's playing the Flash, and he was ah. also in uh, that Harry Potter spinoff uh, that was Fantastic Beasts. But he played someone very unhinged. He's got that look. That he that is in Justice League, right? He's yeah, the, he, the he's Flash the Flash in Justice, Justice League. League. Uh, I'll pull up a picture in a second because I had a couple of other choices too, but the other choice that I had actually was uh, was Colin Hanks, Tom Hanks's kid. Wow, I really I like that one. I, I could do. totally see that. It'd be really unsettling because that whole family is just so fucking nice, but that's why I would do it. Yeah, I mean I don't trust Colin as it is, but. I think that would be great. I haven't forgiven him for what he did in episode eight of Band of Brothers yet. <laughs> and then uh, sure. my other choice was uh, Criminal Minds actor Matthew Gruber. I don't know if you knew. If McGruber? You, McGruber! Matthew Gray Gruber. He was uh, Elliot on Criminal uh, Minds. Yeah. He's got that, like, he's quite eccentric in the show, and I'm like, oh, he could probably play into the eccentricities of Howard pretty well, but. I still think Colin is my top pick. Uh, I, that's the best of yeah, the three. That's, that's the one that, that jumps that's, out. 
that's the one where I was like, yeah, I could see that. Now, who would you pick to play his mother? His mom? Because I'm thinking Selma Hayek, but the movie in my head is just completely different. You know uh, what I mean? Because that would keep me home and not dating. I'd be writing a lot of letters. Yeah. That's it. Mom, I'm thinking of you. Gutted two krauts today. That's it. <laughs> Honestly? I can smell their spleen. If I was to cast his mom, I would have picked... There's a Francis McDormand. Ooh, good one. Wow, yeah, always great. Coons has been on fire with these lately. Yeah. Uh, but I'm loving that one here. And, uh, guys, I just want to remind you real quickly, thank you for making it to the end of this episode here. This is going to be one of those free ones. So uh, if you're a regular guy, who, uh, you know, person just enjoying our content, every Tuesday there will be a free episode here. That last Tuesday of the month, if you get a little bit lonely, do me a favor. Jump over to the Patreon. It winds up boiling down to just a dollar an episode for the three episodes you're already getting for free. And then the bonus one is free if you join the Patreon. That's how it works out, free. right? We do the math. So. That'll be the $3 tier. Uh, anything, if you do the $5 tier and above, we will send out some merch for you. I want to say thank you so much to everybody who supports us over on the Patreon. Sometimes you have to dip out for a little bit. Our boy Greg Yeager, he had to dip out for a second, and he messages me back, and he goes, he goes, I don't want no pity merch, all right? I'm a paying subscriber again, you bastards. But <laughs> he's a good guy, man. And thank you so much to everybody over there. And it means a lot when you guys reach out to us, if you've ever sent me a DM or anything like that on anything, it's always me that's getting back to you here. You'll never get my father. I'm sorry to that one guy that keeps sending us weird messages asking Larry to breathe on the phone for him. But, uh, yeah, I want to go ahead and say it, guys. I think Howard Unruh, I, I, jerk off. Yeah, there's You're a lot nice of words. Nah. And uh, you got to promote that date one more time here for us, Rich. Uh, Thursday, May 12th, Crossroads in Garwood, New Jersey. Come out. Uh, we will not be talking about Howard Unruh. I we'll hope not. Laughing, having a good time. Yeah, worst improv game ever. So, uh, give me a place for a weird date <laughs> during Howard Unruh's Walk of the Death, walk of the- <laughs> September 6, nineteen forty nine, Camden, New bitch. Jersey. <laughs> and uh, I do want to say uh, real quickly, I'm actually going to be uh, I have a new date to plug that I found out about earlier today, uh, May fifteenth uh, in East Brunswick. I will be with uh, the great Bobby Kelly. Bobby's going to bring me over there with him again. I got to plug the uh, we did the Newtown nice. Theater this past weekend. Look at you, which was very KP. exciting. Yeah, and then uh, also thumbs uh, up. So June 11th at Laugh It Up in Poughkeepsie, I'll be with my buddy the great Mike Cannon, who was on with us for the MK Ultra episode, and then the uh, the twelfth. Uh, I'm actually going to be with the great Bobby Kelly again over at uh, the Paper Mill in Napanock, New York, which I'm pretty sure is a business that closed and then opened under another name. So thanks, Cuomo, right? (laughs) (laughs) But that is uh, in summation over there. Thank you very much to everybody who uh, takes good care of us. Go ahead and follow us. Uh, Big Rich, where can people follow you on social media? Uh, If you go to Facebook, Big Rich from Jersey. And then on Instagram, it's McDonald and Carney, one word. Hell yeah. Uh, me, it's at KP Burke Sucks over on Instagram. KP Burke on Facebook, where that's where you see jokes, uh, updates on schedule, stuff like that. And of course, there's the American Loser Podcast official page on both of those things. I follow. Check us out. If you feel like leaving us a review, that helps out. Why not do that? Leave a written review, too. Some of you guys write some funny shit, so I always get a kick out of that one. Cahoons, anything you want to say to the people at home? Nah, man, I'm good. It's always a pleasure to be here. God Another damn. Drill. It certainly was. It's nice to have you in person again. <laughs> Let's keep it that way. We'll have Fuck LP StreamYard. soon, shortly, man. <laughs> StreamYard's really. great. StreamYard, we love you. I didn't mean that. They are great, but it is uh, the show does move better when we're here in person. So thank you so much to my guest, Big Rich. Thank you so much to Mike and Ming at the Shooting Universe Podcast Studio. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to the Kahuna. And guys, that was Howard Unruh, America's first incel and certainly an American loser. And America.
American Loser the day I was born An American Loser the day I was born An American Loser the day I was born